ready? Are you ready? Ready? Go. Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast. You're listening to episode 4-10. 4-10. I'm your host, Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And every week we get together and we pick some great video game music tracks and we talk about them and we have a good time. You have a good time you can tap your foot to. So, um, got anything new going on? A little bit. Um... I am still playing Shiren the Wanderer. It's become a, of all things, I rarely get into a trophy battle between me and a friend of mine. So uh, I am constantly addicted to keeping that score up. Right. I'm currently the number one in, I guess, on, at least in the, either in America or on this website for the game, which is different. Cool. Um, I embarked, I began embarking on the mystic quest of shopping for a home to live in. That is a game in and of itself that is fraught with many bosses and challenges yes. and secret quests. Yeah, that's 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 a challenge, and we'll take some time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, what else do I do? Uh, I still get games some more than I probably should. Um, to put in perspective on how odd how odd it's been with me in buying video games. If anyone has an interest in purchasing a second copy that I bought of Super Robot Wars because I'm not sending it back to Singapore, you can buy that for me. But I double tapped all that. I realized I own Call of Duty Black Ops 3. I didn't know I owned it. I think it was from a buy two get one sale. I can't imagine you playing Call of Duty. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if I bought it because one, it was a buy two get one sale and I was out of games to fill the third slot. And two, I figured... What if I could make myself play the game? It would be good to play with friends who seem to like games like that. That's true. Yeah, I think we used to play um, Team Fortress like every week. Team Fortress Tuesdays, I think it was. Yeah, and it was. I enjoyed playing that, but every time we did, it, I ultimately still felt like I wish it were a game I enjoyed more that <laughs> brought everybody together, like Bomberman, which we did for a little while too, but that didn't last as long as Team Fortress did. Um, but um, yeah, I'm still playing Shiren. I'm still working on the Pokedex. I'm less than 100 to go before I get my shiny oh, badge. Oh, wow. Which is unheard of for me, but it's mainly because I have a friend who's he owns like everything Pokemon, <laughs> so he's been helping me a lot. Um, and we just wrapped up our Ice Gym Leader trials. So we now have a new Ice Gym Leader for the East Coast Pokemon League. And I'm rambling because clearly when you asked that question, I took it way too literally. So <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on the last week. How about you, sir? How else been going with you? Uh, not much. Um, you know, actually, I didn't play a whole lot this week because um, I've got like kind of a side gig that's taking up some of my time. Um, so I've been working on that. But this weekend's been pretty good. Back into some Street Fighter, uh, trying to level up my Cami game with mix-ups and stuff. Did you get past that survival challenge? No. Oh, my God. I did that like three times, and I lost at like level 29, and I got to level 30, stage 30, and I died again. It's so frustrating. And for those who so aren't frustrated, know, I just, well, he's I trying to beat the 30th match to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish. And it's so dumb because all I get out of that is some extra points I can use to spend on, like, you know, like extras in the game, add-ons, in colors. And not even I don't get extra colors for the character, and only for that character, and <laughs> only for that costume for that character. Oh, geez. I have to still purchase them using the in-game. The in-game so you only points. earn the right to buy it? Yes. Wow, that's broken. But if I can do that, <laughs> then I'll have more colors. <laughs> for a shinier, colorful, There's something about, like, I don't... 
it's something about like, when you play Street Fighter, you, you tend to gravitate towards maybe one or two characters, and they become your main character, and you start to identify with that character. So for Street Fighter 4, mine was Abel. Mm-hmm. And more than the costumes, what's really important is the colors. Like, like you're, you're, you play you play Cammy and Cam, you play this color, like this is you, and you identify with that. Like for me, Abel was all white. You had the white trunks and the white shirt. Like, that was my Abel. And if you couldn't get those colors, you didn't want to play that day because he wasn't your Abel. It was different on Street Fighter Four because he just picked the color. <laughs> and you were good. Now you got to earn the colors. Now you got go, to fight through this whole thing. Would uh, you say it's because I'm just jumping on a random question, but do you think that's a, a awesome thing that they added to have to earn the color? Or do you think it's kind of padding on for content? I think it's a little bit of both because there's not a lot of single-player modes and so this this give this gets you it kind of teaches you the through the game like how how to how to play a little bit because you're playing against kind of a computer dummy mm-hmm. and that's not so bad and the fact that you have to earn it's kind of cool but the rest of it's just like having to buy the characters and the stages it's a little annoying a little hokey some would say because i don't know if i'm going to want to play such and such until i actually play it so i'm spending all this in-game money and i'm like crap oh that's a good point if you you know if you don't know what the character's right. like and then you drop like two weeks worth of earned yeah, points to buy characters it sucks a hundred thousand it's called fight money it's a hundred thousand fight money and i dropped it all down to pick up um ibuki and i'm like i don't know if i really like ibuki that much well it's not like i can go back and get like i want a refund on my <laughs> get balrog or something like that's it done anyway that's fine. I'm good with the original set, and I'll get better at it. I got to get better because that's all I play, and I really enjoy it. Um, last thing, top of the show business before we move on to the topic is um, we are going to be moving our files to a new server. So I think Tuesday or Wednesday, if you subscribe to the show through iTunes or through another service, you probably are going to get all of our episodes updated at one time. You should probably slap a date on there, too, for people who might be listening to this at an odd pacing. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a little strange. So I'm thinking, yeah, oh, that's right. It's true. So yeah, if you're going back listening to this another time, it's going to be uh, August 31st, at the end of the month, August 31st, 2016. Everything's going to get moved. Hopefully it doesn't cause any trouble, but it probably will because that's how these things work. So don't worry about it. It's just me moving everything over to a new server that we can do stats and we can have better faster downloads you get the show faster it's not so bad right yeah it works for me i'm all ready i'm ready to go all right so this week we um we said you know screw the topics don't want to do a topic which resulted in us coming up with a topic yeah actually you you, we ended up coming up with a bunch of topics um because today we are going to just do random random wild card songs so just songs that we have in our pocket that we wanted to play wild card censored hey um that's a reference to a cool tv show but i couldn't say the word (laughs) (laughs) um but yes we are wild carding it today the whole idea here is hey every once in a while you come up with a track that you want to play on the show but you don't quite know where it fits yeah i feel like you know this is our 40th episode so like why not like let's throw it in there yeah, like wild carding it out is pretty fun. Also, it gives us a cool opportunity because I think in one track case I did this where it lets you take a track that you wanted on a previous episode that didn't quite make the cut. Right. So you want to kind of sneak it in there. Yeah, I've got a few like that. So um, this one, yeah, actually I have one. I'll explain that later. It was I thought it was Matoi Sakuraba, but he had worked on the track, on the game, I mean, not 
on that specific track. But this one, so for a completely random wild card, this is from Jurassic Park for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> the composer is Jonathan Dunn, and this is the high score theme, and it's a jam. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> you can't stop Raptors. They're too smart. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that later. <laughs> Try to get that go too far. Gonna lock him out because I hate that guy. Doesn't want to live the mail on time. All up in my business. Coming in from Seinfeld like he owns the place. Like I got the time for your stupid knives. I got my gun in pocket shine. I got no lyrics here because I'm making up words. I gotta die. This is Jurassic Park dessert. I don't know what we got. I gotta get better today. I'm getting Jurassic Park word. <laughs> for real, jeez. This is the high score theme from the game Jurassic Park for the Super Nintendo by Jonathan Dunn. This track is baller. Yeah, this is cool. Like, it actually sounds like a bat, like like a, like a um, for a basketball game. I was actually. I see. It does kind of sound like a basketball game's track, like OST, like not NBA Jam, not a midway basketball game, but like just a general like choose your team, choose your court. Sort of track. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no. I have one. Uh, um, no, it was for a Tecmo Super Baseball. Wow. Uh, yeah. But that was Rick Rhodes, Dean Morrell, and Chris E. I think Rick Rhodes was... I don't know. So you're saying that's what this track res- reminds you of? Yeah, it reminded me of that. But like this really, I think, shows off like the sampling potential of, of the Super Nintendo because it's really like... A lot of like sampled guitars and that that drum beat. Of course, that that drum beat I think is used through a lot of the tracks in the game. Oh yeah, like I, I as Rob can attest, while we were playing it, I went off on some weird word tangent because <laughs> I, don't worry, I caught that. No, you didn't. I caught part of that. Oh mercy. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but like I just I was like, wow, this sounds really good. I can say things over this. But yeah, there's like all of like. So anyway, they play this music when you've killed the most raptors, and you've got the high score. So what that's 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 about that. Because honestly, you could be making that, but who knows? That could be the way they actually factor score. How many raptors were killed? If you killed a lot, if like if you killed a a spinning lizard, you lose points. Actually, this this takes a completely different turn on Jurassic Park. You're you're actually going out looking for uh, mosquitoes trapped in amber. You're very. No, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, that would be an interesting. No, this is this is. I think it's it's it's. 
I keep getting this confused with the Jurassic Park for the NES. I'm pretty sure this is also like top down. Yeah, there's like a bunch. Yeah, the Super Nintendo one was the top down one. The Genesis one was the side scrolling. Yeah, Genesis one, you can, uh, side scrolling. Then there was the Rampage edition in which you played as the Raptor. Oh, I don't remember that. You remember that? I'll be up like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I would come out and go. Sega. You <laughs> would come out and do that. So you know, I want to try these games. I never even got to play the SNES Jurassic Park. I only played the Genesis one because we bought it, and that game was brutally difficult too, oh, as with seemingly the most movie licensed games on the Genesis were. But, yeah, yeah, a lot of them were either like really hard or just not that great or, or what. But anyway, the soundtracks were generally pretty awesome because they usually have like Western composers involved. I concur with you on that one. I really like this. It's just like it's so unexpectedly funky. Yeah, I love that that organ. Yeah, I thought it was a good way to start the show. And honestly, I feel like if I when I choose my next track, hopefully I can't go too far from this tangent because <laughs> I like where it went. So, uh, yeah, so what you got? Um, my first track is going to be from an oft unspoken of game that I've come to love over the years. Um, it's for the Nintendo DS, Ooh. and it's called Clubhouse Games. Yes. Um, the track in question is just called Pool. Please listen and enjoy. Let's give it a spin. Welcome back. You are jamming out to the track Pool from the game Clubhouse Games. We have literally no idea who wrote or composed this track. No, it's... Yeah, there's no information. There's none. We tried, we legitimately tried to find it. I know that the developer is called Agenda, and they did a few other games for the Nintendo DS. They did um, a thousand cooking recipes. Yeah, I think what it is is there was a it was a block of games called the Touch Generation series, and it was it was Nintendo's attempt to capitalize on the casual vibe that the DS was selling on. 
So I was like, hey, we got recipes, we got math tutors. You know, they did that for the original Game Boy where it was like, you could pick this up and it was like, you can put notes in here and there's a calendar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were they were trying to capitalize on anybody but wants something like that. Like, you didn't buy this for the games, you bought it for like quick puzzlers or for mm. like notes or for things you can use around the house. We got that, you know. We call them touch generation games. And another component that they leaned into, and I'll stop rambling about touch generation, was a lot of them had, if they had any sort of multiplayer component, they required single cart link yes. so that you could kind of share between consoles. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because we played this a lot. There was a ton of like mini games. It was like, it was like mini games. You could play chess and you can play Othello and all that sort of stuff. And I think my favorite one was probably Balance, where it was like basically stacking blocks on top of each other to keep it from falling. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that was cool. And then um, we played some kind of chess game, right? Yeah, it was, they had Chinese checkers on there, too. Chess, it was Chinese checkers. There was a... I think there was actually a, ver- a variant of chess that had more than two players. It was yeah, there was some weird stuff in there. That was really cool. Yes, it was. This music is. I remember the music being really, really fun. And yeah, this is. I, I wish we knew who did this because this is really cool. Yeah, like, I'm telling you, to me, when I heard when the idea of wild card episode was up, like, just, like there it is, like uh-huh. clubhouse game. I don't know where else I would put it. So, it's. I love this track. It's really good. So. So this is pool, so not like at the pool. It's like you're playing pool. Shooting pool, exactly. Well, that's interesting because the other DS game they worked on was just billiards. They had a billiards game? Yeah, it was called Billiard. Billiard Action. So maybe there was more than just billiards going on. Maybe maybe they improved on the version that was in this this game. I'll be dang. I don't know. But I know one thing. They gave us clubhouse games. They gave us some smooth tunes to go along yeah. our very casual, quiet <laughs> gameplay sessions. I can't hate them for that. Oh, absolutely. We love them. Oh, we love them to death. And I love this breakdown right at the beginning here. Here it comes. It's interesting because the bass line is like there. It's really deep and, and rhythmic. But then it gets kind of like proggy like later on. It. It almost sounds like the, the bass is like has like a wider like wow. Can you picture this track being played at a bar while you're actually shooting pool? Totally, totally. Can you? Oh yeah, have a glass of whiskey off on the side of the table, or or like uh, playing darts or something. Oh yeah, yeah. See, there it is. Yeah, bar owners, if you're listening, yeah. here you go. <laughs> they did it. Just tap the Clubhouse Games OST and slap it on your speaker to see who notices. Congratulations, unknown composer. <laughs> you composed the perfect pool shooting music. <laughs> yes. I want to hustle someone to this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on, we have coming out of the uh, the funky music. Actually, I can't remember if this is funky or not. No, this is not funky. This is from the game Final Fantasy Mystic Quest or Final Fantasy USA. <laughs> um, this is called City of Forest by Ryuji Sasai and Yasuhiko Kawakami.
Promise of the City of Forest from the game Final Fantasy Mystic Quest for the Super Nintendo. I really, really slept on this OST. It's really cool. This whole this whole soundtrack, I was listening to this at work on Wednesday, and I was just like, wow, there's so many good tracks on this one. Like, I... This was a game where I missed it because, you know, it, was, it came out, I couldn't afford it at the time, but it looked really colorful, and I just kind of let it pass me by over the years and people I knew complained about it like crazy like how dumb or easy or whatever it was and then I guess a year or two ago whenever whenever Final Fantasy Theatre of the Curtain Call got announced the battle track for this game got added to it and a friend of mine from the UK flipped out like it was the best thing that happened to the game I'm like who the heck cares it's Final Fantasy Mystic Quest and he goes you've been sleeping on that OST to listen to it and I listened to bits of it and it was really good like unexpectedly good for what I was what I the preachers I built up for the game that's a cool soundtrack so like I don't know if I'll ever get around to playing it because yeah it really is meant to be like you know first RPG which I'm well past at this point but the music I can definitely dig and this is a nice soothing melody here yeah it's real real nice melody I like the way it resolves at the end it kind of goes back into itself like back into the beginning again it's got like a uh like a little bit of horns that do 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 do. It just kind of comes right back into it, like like you'd imagine, like someone like that. Like that's where the first like lyric would start, you know, like if someone was singing along to it. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, this is just really really cool. So, yeah, Mystic Quest was so the the, the Japanese uh, Square Square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they um so the RPGs JRPGs weren't really that big in the states, like as a wider audience so this was their attempt to appeal to a wider audience by making a more simplified version of Final Fantasy hence it's called Final Fantasy USA yep and it makes me wonder too like kind of makes you wonder what really needs to be quantified as you know again first RPG like I think I was telling you in a previous episode how like I had right. multiple friends who made you're saying loom. first RPG like my first RPG yeah literally like my first RPG yeah. like and uh, I had multiple friends who didn't get drawn into the concept until Lunar the Eternal, the Silver Star, mm-hmm. which it's not a complicated RPG, but it's also not as simple as Mystic Quest. So it's like it makes you wonder where's the balance. Well, it's weird because I, like a lot of people have said, and I feel that also that the the, the wider audience caught on when Final Fantasy VII came out. Yeah, but and which it's is all, cool, but like there's a there's a lot of little moving parts in that game. Yeah, but I think what happened with Seven was it was a multi-stage thing. One, it was hyped because it was like the most expensive game made at the time. And it was a heavy use of CGI video cinema. And they played that up to the audiences. Yeah, yeah. And without telling anybody, they toned the difficulty very, very far down. So (laughs) even though there were moving parts in the game, you didn't have to utilize any of them to succeed if you just wanted to play through it. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they made it really simple. Yeah, I liked I liked Final Fantasy VIII a lot, actually. But <laughs> but what stopped me from finishing it was the summons. I realized I had to use the the summons more frequently to to get through some of the battles. And I didn't want to because you had to sit through the animations, and it just took forever. But you can hit square to feel like you're a part of the action. Absolutely, I think that was cool. I did until the fiftieth time I had to do it. <laughs> then I got sick of it. Yeah, I guess when you have that many. I mean, like, that's just, you're going to have those dumb, repetitive, random battles. Like, you're getting that anyway in other RPGs. I don't know, actually. I'm telling you, I could, 
I'm not going to take our show down the why Purdue hates Final Fantasy VIII route, but I could take it. I could go places with that. <laughs> I thought it was cool. I thought that, I mean, it was something, something cheesy, fun about, you know, the main character being named Squall. Hot dog? Squall Lionheart, I think it was. Oh, the name was freaking cheesy. Yeah, it was so super cheesy. Hilarious. Yeah, and I liked, like, the, the witch, and I, I thought it was cool. I liked there, were, it. there were decent characters in the game. I'm not faulting the kid. If my issues with the game are not the characters except for Squall. Man, but, it's, uh, it's been more than 10 years since I've played that game, so I'm not going to sit here and try to defend it. Don't defend it. <laughs> Don't defend it. Just I'm just saying, it's, it's, just a, it's like one of those things. Stop ruining my childhood. Stop. I enjoy <laughs> I was certainly not a child when I played this game. Wait, really? I don't think so, no. Wow. Man, we're getting old, man. Probably, yeah. I think <laughs> so. That, that's one thing that's not going to stop. <laughs> Unless. Unless. Unless your next track will stop time. It might, actually. Um, the next track I have, may not. it may not stop time, but it will do nicely for providing you know, ambiance to the search finding the way to stop time <laughs> and that track will be Elibits from the game Elibits is called The Search rather fitting I'd say cool The Search for great music <laughs> and a way to stop time and the search the search to stop time we talk about time travel a lot on this show as we, we should or, or back to the future it's a good rant worthy topic everyone should talk about both of those things and we watched um, back to the future 2 last night Wait, really? Yeah, it was on Netflix, and I was like, why not? I remember not liking it. Wait, you didn't like the second one or the third one? The second one. I think you're one of the rares, and but did I you went, end up liking it by the end? No, it was so long. It was like the lo- it was like a million hours. Wow. <laughs> Just sitting there. It's like, like, why is it this over? I think you're one of the first people I've heard dislike the second movie. Really? I feel like the second one was the one no one liked. No, it was the third that people hated on. The, the, the third was the Wild West. Yes, and everyone hated on it. I thought that was cool. It was the Wild West <laughs> after you just came from what the future was supposed to look like. They had, what was it, Future Pepsi or something? Pepsi Perfect? Pepsi Perfect. They had auto-lacing sneakers. They had sharks that jumped out at you and hoverboards. You, you know what was fun was like watching the um, some of the, uh, the fashion. Yeah, all the fashion and, and it, stuff. And it was like, it, it was, I think it was like 1986 or something I think came out. And it was the fashion was like 90s fashion. And I was like, wow. They did go in the future, but just not far enough. Not far enough, see? And, God, we totally went off on tangent, but I don't care. This is a fun time. Anyway, this is from Elevates, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I want to lay this part real quick. Um, one of my favorite things to do with regards to TV shows, I trash talk time travel, but I love yeah. watching what people imagine the future to actually look like in cinema. And if you go back to different periods where movies were made, it's always hilarious. Like, in the future, 1997. Like, oh, wow. What's 97 <laughs> like? You know? And they never go far enough away to actually clearly absolve themselves of not having to see what the actual future turns out to be. So it's always pretty funny. What was interesting about Back to the Future 2 was that they went from 85 to 2015. Yeah, they didn't go far enough. <laughs> <They just> assumed, <laughs> like, you know you'll still be alive in 2015. You're not going to see any of this no, stuff. Those writers were, were, were big optimists. Yes, they were. Yeah, and they just wanted to put cool stuff in a movie. True, true. Yeah. That they went with the legit, the obvious aspect. It's like, well, in the year 2015, what'll be different? Cars will still be cars. Yeah. They'll be more expensive. Marty won't be able to afford one. Yeah, no one's going to trust us with a flying car. <laughs> exactly. So, 
Just a trip. I'm already complaining about like the neighbors like flying around like, the neighborhood. I'm like, no, no, no. You give them a flying car, it's over. Everyone's crash. dead. It's <laughs> going to crash into homes. People are going to just run out of gas in the sky. Let alone Biff and um, I guess his great grants or grandson Griff. Griff. Because like, clearly he's a very intelligent, terrifying. creative they're man. They're like they're like murderous. They're violent. They're like they're probably addicts. You know, like they're the future awful. allows for such things. I guess also the 60s or the 50s. I don't know. Whatever. That's... <laughs> Elibits! <laughs> Throw them all in jail. Elibits. Uh, the Tannins. Biff Tannin. And Elibits. And Elibits. Um, all right. What's the song name? The Search. From what was the was that game again? <laughs> Elibits. From Back to the Future for the NES. This is Elibits for the PlayStation 2? Just play the track. <laughs> Your kids are going to love it. The search from the game Elibits for the Nintendo Wii is spectacular. I love it. 
it's so I don't even know if it's fitting for the game itself. It's just a good track in general. Well, let's, let's talk about the um, the composers on this game are um, Naoyuki Sato, um, aka Nekomata Master, who was he worked for like they did a lot of the in-house music for Konami for the Beatmania series. And this sounds a lot like his music, um, the, the 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 drums and the rhythm, and it's like this really kind of fun, like chilled out, like yeah, right here, like the really chilled out keyboard section. Um, and then like the, the rhythm changes up later on. So that, that's that's really like I feel like his style. But also credited on the game is Machiro Yamane, um, who worked on some of the Castlevania series, uh, Symphony of the Night. Mm-hmm. Right. So also Konami. Um, so I don't know if I don't know much about this game. Would, would they have used Castlevania music in this game, or maybe she oh, contributed yeah. to the? To she the probably contributed in general. Like they probably, she probably composed some stuff, but it wouldn't have a Castlevania sound for sure. Mm-hmm. Like the premise of the game was, you are a kid. I don't even remember the exact story, but I know the premise of the game is you're a kid walking around a house, and use the Wiimote, which was new at the time, to grab objects in the house and shake them or turn them over or. Sm- and try not to break things. And you're trying to find these little magical creatures called Helibits. Oh, that's cute. And you collect them. Okay. And like you have to pull them out of stuff and turn doorknobs. It was, it was a really weird, like hide and seek style game. But really, like it sounds like it's really in, in, intensive use of the of that Wiimote. You know, oh, it like, goes to town. Like like it like some other games you would use it just to swing or to do things. But this sounds like it was really like it really required you to use the full potential of that that device. It really did because huh. I mean like. Or you get to use like to basically walk around, see so the open doors, turn knobs, and then pull doors open. You get to grab objects, flip them, and turn them over. You guys can't see me do this, but I'm actually doing all the hand gestures as I say this. <laughs> he is totally is. But like when you find certain elements, they'll fight you. So you're like doing like a tug of war with them. You're like moving them, flying <laughs> around, and catching them. So what, like, what do they look like? Little alien guys, like they somehow have some like like round like stubby bodies. Some like little dwarves with like pointy ears. <laughs> Uh, they're very colorful. There's different colored elements. Like there's like white glowy ones. There's red ones. There's blue ones. Um, some are angry. Some are cute, weird. It's just, I think Konami was attempting to come up with the next collectible craze. Like at the time, like hey, maybe the kids will latch on these elements, <laughs> and then we can sell a bunch of dolls. And there were a few dolls that got made, and they had a sequel on the Nintendo DS that oh, okay. played nothing like this game did. Yeah, I'd imagine since this game is all about the Wiimote. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, and I think that's probably what hurt it too, because like I wanted more Elibits, not this pseudo random RPG esque game. I wanted more Elibits and hide and seek capture action. So, but what we got here was definitely plenty, and it's definitely something that can be brought. You can go back to and still enjoy this awesome product. So. I have to show it to you someday because I still own it too. Oh, you still have your, your Wii hooked up? Oh yeah, man! <laughs> you got everything hooked up. Everything. Wii, Wii U. I play them both. All right. Well, my next track. I'm taking things into a completely different direction here. Um, this is the ending theme to the game Final Zone for the Genesis. It's called After the War by Masaki Uno or Uno. Uno.
Goodbye, Final Zone. (laughs) (laughs) That was Uh, a good way to come back. I think it's such a cool song. It's got like that neat, like 80s, like synth ballad, you know? Like it's just really cool. Anyway, that's called After the War from Final Zone for the Genesis by Masaki Uno. I like that name actually, too. What is your name, Mr. Masaki (laughs) Uno? I think it's Uno. Only Masaki one. You know. If it's you know, it's not as cool as Uno. It's like I'm number one by birth. <laughs> number one. My birthright is to be number one. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had this one. Like I, ha- I keep um, a list of like playlists and things on my phone when I'm listening to through soundtracks. I had this song saved like four times. I'm like, I guess I gotta play this track today. See, Rob is, Rob of the two of us is the organized one. See, he keeps it all on his phone, neatly organized text files. I have a bunch of post-it notes strewn post- across the walls yeah, and on the floors. But they work for you, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, you come in here with post-it notes all the time anyway, but then they seem organized to me. Like, Oh, they are, but I mean like... You have like nine tracks on that post-it note today. It's the sort of thing where like if anyone ever had to come behind me and figure out what I'd do, they'd be like, this guy is mental. I'm like, I'm not mental. It's a, it's a specific set of chaotic... It's a chaotic sense of order here for me. <laughs> I know where it is. I need this pile. Well, yeah, I also feel like some of these songs have more of like a... Not maybe like a hit bit of like nostalgia in your head. Like you remember that song from something specific. That is true. Like the elements track that I picked, I didn't search for that. I was like, like it's like I'm running through the mental roller. It's like elements. <laughs> that track. I got to figure out what its name is, but I know it. So I, yeah, like like you 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 knew that you wanted to play it at some point or listen to it again, but we just never had like that show for that mm-hmm. type of thing. And this is amazing because, like, what I, my process is like, I literally, kid you not, I go into the living room, I'll stare at the shelf, I'll cross my arms, and I'll kind of tilt my head both ways, like, hmm, hmm, and it'll just click because I, I literally am running through the Rolodex of games I've played throughout my entire life, <laughs> and it'll just sting. Like, I got one, and well, back go through that Rolodex. And is, go, is it go time? It's go time. This oh, is man. track number three. Trey, well, let's see. Let's take this bad boy for a spin. I have a special fondness for this one. All right. People who know me who listen to this, you'll know what I'm talking about. I think Rob will too. Okay. Super Bomberman 2. Nice. Battle 3 for the Super Nintendo. Uh-huh. 
welcome back. You are jamming out to the third battle theme, Battle 3, from Super Bomberman 2 on the SNES, a.k.a. the best Bomberman game ever created. Oh, wow. That's a that's a thing. That's a that's a that's a thing you you put it out your mouth. That's a definitive <laughs> statement. Challengers, step up! And if you name Saturn Bomberman, get out. That's not better than this. I'm sorry to tell you that. I thought you really liked the Saturn Bomberman. Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, I do. There's very few Bomberman games I genuinely don't like, but it's not touching Super Bomberman Two. This was like the purest form of Bomberman. It introduced. I mean, I don't know if it introduced. I want to say introduced a glove. Foot. It had Gold Bomberman, which was when you won a round, you got a superpower. Wait, really? I thought that was just. I thought that was already in really Super Bomberman. No, Super Bomberman One, to my recollection, didn't have Gold Bomberman. Oh no, no, yeah, I remember the the gold thing that let you had the bombs go the full screen. Oh no, 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 no. Right, you're thinking about the Gold Flame power up. Gold Flame, yeah. Bom- gold Bomberman was if you won a full round of Bomberman, you got their build, you got the prize of really spinning a roulette wheel and get random power ups to start you for every match. Oh, okay. And your Bomberman became gold, which made you prime target for everyone else because like clearly this guy <laughs> is winning too much. Kill him. You know the the Bomberman that was my favorite was for the Dreamcast. Oh, drum Bomberman Online? Yeah, Bomberman Online. I thought that was really good. Oh, it also definitely was a good game. And I liked the fact that it had the paint mode and all the different options. Yeah, that was really neat. And the um yeah, it had like a like a like a, almost like a submarine type mode where it was like a battleship. Yeah, you I think you put the bombs down, they went underwater. Yeah, underwater and they popped up on the other screen. It was cool. It was a really cool idea. But anyway, Bomberman 2. This is a this I was not expecting such a complicated sound. Yeah, I mean I was thinking that as it was playing, like this is more complicated and more intricate than yeah, most com- multiplayer composed tunes that you hear in games. They're usually meant to be simple, quick loops. Yeah, this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna explore the rest of the soundtrack like later for sure. This is a great OST, man. Like I keep wanting to buy this to replace it because like I don't try to get old games back at the time because you know emulation and friends own them and the retro market is absurdly high priced. But I used to have this. I sold it for Saturn with my stock. And this is one of the games I really wish I could get my hands on again, but it still sells for like fifty or sixty dollars. Oh yeah, I think it's like a later, maybe a later run, like yeah. game. It was um, produced by Hudson Soft. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I told you already, like, they had some great in-house composers. Now, I don't know if this person was an in-house composer. This is Yasuhiko Fukuda. Um, so I will have to look and, and see if that person did other OSTs for Hudson. Yeah, because if you find out, I want ears because I got to look for them. Yeah, but that, that, I, there's a lot. That's a lot of parts to the track. I mean, it makes sense because like those those matches can go on for a while. And can you imagine me singing over it in a sort of braggart manner as people uh, are like, "Why won't he die?" Yeah, <laughs> he as keeps killing us. You're like, "I am bombing you, coming up behind you, and I beat you." Why do <laughs> you suck the so bad? Bombs right here, <laughs> drop the bomb there. Get up my face! I got to take this win oh. and jump. But like, I yeah, I would take three rounds of that, and I'd be like, "Pranel, get out of my house." It's the same. Well, it's the same <laughs> yeah. problem. I have this weird thing where I'll play excited. a game and well, I get excited for sure but I try not I try to subdue all of that like I just want to play the game but what ends up happening is I win enough times and then the other players start to actually egg me on like how's he keep winning blah 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 he's just cheating or something and I'm like now I gotta get into this because now they're pushing at me like a uh, quick story related to this went to Chicago a couple weeks ago oh that's right yeah went to a bar um, themed after Pac-Man called level 257 Nice. They had Pac-Man Baron on a big screen. Two of my friends and I sat down to play the game. Guy from out of nowhere runs up and he goes, Oh man, I got getting on this action. Oh, which which version of Pac-Man was it? Called Pac-Man Battle Royale. It's oh, uh, yeah, sort yeah. Of, 
Yeah. It's not Pac-Man versus, oh, which but it's is a the take on it. Best. It I is. love Pac-Man versus. Yeah, Pac-Man yeah. versus the king. But yeah, but I've seen that because they had that at the boardwalk in the, at the Delaware beaches where it's like a huge like screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really neat. But we were playing that, and after the first or second game, my friends got tired of playing it. Uh, I had won. But then the guy was like, no, no, you're not going anywhere. And his two friends came up from behind, and they all were, like, dead set on killing me. <laughs> to the point where they were, like, yelling at me. Like, what the heck, man? Where's your deal, man? Why won't you die? And eventually I was like, now I gotta start bragging. <laughs> so I got into it. <laughs> I, like it. I had a ball with it. And eventually I just kind of, I didn't throw the last match, but when I finally lost, I didn't even take it bad. I was like, okay, that's good. I can get up and leave now. <laughs> but, like, it was really cool. And then it turned out these guys were supposedly the originators. That's what they claim. They were the originators of the escape room concept. Oh, really? That's what they said. Oh, interesting. I was completely surprised. Um, I, I, I'll have to tell you more about it later, too. But, like, yeah, they, they said that they were like, oh, yeah, we, we, were, from, we were from Canada, for starters. Okay. And they were actually in town for an escape room convention. <laughs> I know they're all over the country, but those are a lot of fun. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. And he was like, they were giving us the whole thing. Like, oh, yeah, we, we started up here. We got, like, five locations up here now. And oh, we're expanding in the United States. And it was just random how that all played out because... It, the whole idea was the fact that he was like, we we spend our lives creating games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you are kicking our butts on this thing. <laughs> well, it's Pac-Man. Yeah, I'm like, it's not, this it's is an intricate game. It's Pac-Man. I'm just eating dots and eating you. I mean, <laughs> there's to it. Know, you can eat, like, each other, right? Yeah, you get yeah. the power pellet. If you if the other players aren't powered up, then they're small and purple, and you try to run them over and eat them. Yeah, that, yeah, there's... I had some issues with the strategies of that game. Yeah, versus is the better one by yeah, far. Yeah, where people play as the ghosts. That was that's the best. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm surprised they didn't do that. Like maybe, like, maybe why don't they just do that? They probably thought it would be too complicated to produce because they would have needed multiple small screens. I guess so. I mean, that would work as like, like a, like an event, like one of those big like amusement. Like remember, the, remember at Dave and Buster's they had that horse racing one. Uh huh. That had like everyone had like their little screens and there was a big screen and like they had to feed their horses and then they raced the horses and they bet on the <laughs> yeah, horses. Yeah, it would be something like that they could have used. So weird. Uh, yeah, they could use something like that. Yeah, because the main player could use the big screen everyone would watch and then the men, other players would be looking at their screens down on the, the petting screen and they'd what be chasing weird, Pac-Man. What a weird thing. I haven't been to Dave and Buster's in ages. Same here. Not since they got rid of their pump. Yeah. Yeah, I miss pump. Me too. Alright, um, so we are going to not have a bonus round today because don't really have a topic for that. Yeah, I just and it was like this is the perfect excuse. Again, we it's the wild card episode. We want to fit in as many wildies as we can. Right. So my uh my next track is from the game Terra Nigma for the Super Nintendo. This is called Evergreen, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope to. Because if I don't because <laughs> You throw bombs at me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kaboom.
This is Evergreen from the game Terra Enigma for the Super Nintendo by Tomoyashi Miyazaki and Reiko Takebayashi. And so it's very like, what caught me first was I really like that kind of like mellow sound that you can get out of like Super Nintendo tracks, you know what I mean? Like it's got that kind of like this bells and the chill out like bass. Yeah, they're surprisingly common. Like, yeah. after, like they're usually ending tracks like this. Yeah, but I like that. But then this like lead, it changes like so often and you don't expect where it's going to go next. And I found that really unusual. I'm a fan. I can, I can definitely appreciate this. And this, I think that's also why like this isn't the kind of track where like I was ready to like, oh, I got a comment. It was just more like as it plays, just kind of like just kind of swaying. Yeah. And you're taking it in. And it's just a nice, relaxing kick to it. Like at this section, it just like, went up an octave. But it, it, they could have just let it just go up an octave. But it just it keeps changing and changing and changing. It's a lot of fun. I, I, I just found this so interesting. Like just listening to it while I was working, it just kind of fit in the background. And because it was evolving, it was just perfect for, for just not really thinking about it. Yeah, I could. That's what. Whoa, that's <laughs> weird. He just gave me some bread. <laughs> the bread's messing with me in a very good way, but it's also where the <laughs> are coming yeah, in. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> but it's tasty bread. But, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of like what I was thinking about where in the sense of like saying this is the kind of track where like you don't really sit down and go, oh man, we shake to this. It's just more like, I like this. Yeah, this kind of, this would yeah. work probably in like that chill, the chill episode. Maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. But again, it doesn't have to be a track that doesn't fit anywhere else. It's just, hey, I could pick whatever I want today. <laughs> it's on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this, make, this song makes me feel like kind of sentimental and a, a little sad and I, I like that yeah see so I can dig I think this is good I do am you, do you think that 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 lead kind of sound do you think it's either supposed to be a flute a violin or do you think it's supposed to be someone singing definitely not a singer you think so definitely not a singer it could be like one of those sections where like you go into like a forest and there's like a, a fairy or something and they're, they're singing a song kind of song would the fairy be singing get out of my forest <laughs> or welcome to the forest we, we ain't got fun. no games <laughs> take your blackers off I don't know why that go turns. on home and sleep this is my forest get on out my forest yeah i don't know why that turned into controversy <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so weird that's the, hey, the the fairy's angry once you out get out <laughs> you don't belong here Oh boy! They're fairies, you know. They're always super protective of the forest. That's right. Yeah, I seen Ferngully. Yeah, see, see. They see me <laughs> with a can of soda, and their their first thought is he's going to leave that can. I'm like, no, no, fairy, you got it all wrong. I am not a litter bug. I am a clean gentleman. I like that. Like, take you clean behind somewhere else. Your clean air quotes out of here. You pack it in. You pack it out. <laughs> not on my magical watch. <laughs> so. But that would be a fun game where you're like you're you're uh are protecting the forest from people littering. But I'm like, amazed it doesn't but you're not yet. you're not picking up the trash, you're just punishing them. Works for me. Mm. It would be like Tecmo's Deception, but not b- bloody. It's just magical cartoon violence. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's right, Deception. That was all about like punishing people, right? Oh yeah, it was very sadistic games, but they're also really fun. Like I almost picked a track for that game for this oh, yeah. episode. Huh. I've seen some playthrough of that. It looked, yeah, it looked weird, but it was weirdly interesting in that it was like very like a uh, uh, technical, like kind of like a strategy. Remind game. me sometimes because now that you have a PlayStation, I can always bring it over. So. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, 
we're at your final track, the final track of the day. And this was a track I really wanted to play on the boss episode, but there's too many good tracks. And yeah, we may do a boss part two someday, but yeah, for now, yeah. I want it now. So while the game is still hot and semi-new. Oh, so, that's right. This is, this is a PS4 game. Yes, it is. Also, the Vita for you folks who still rock that beautiful but underappreciated machine. Huh. Um, this game is called Grand Kingdom. And the track, I don't think it really has an official name yet. Um, Because I don't think anybody's really talking about the official OST, but it just goes by. Basically, it's the track that plays. I call it Final War Round because the end is the last battle track and a war skirmish sequence. So, Mm. Final War Round.
Welcome back. You are jamming out to a track that apparently does have an official name because it has an official release on iTunes. Yes. And it is called Animus Resurrected. Yeah, nice when that happens. That <laughs> <laughs> was a beautiful find. And now... Yeah, this is a well-composed track. Like this, like the whole thing. Yeah, to go out, buy, you can buy this album right now. Go do it. And I'm pretty much doing it when I get home because I... I love this OST, but I didn't realize it got an official release already because it's a fairly new game and it's not exactly popular. Like it was, I think it flew under the radar, and a lot of people aren't really talking about it. Doesn't have the buzz, I'll say. So, learning that this has an official release made my day because I'm going to definitely grab it and just listen to this track forever because it's really good. <laughs> I was explaining to Rob. The way this track plays, like when, I, when you first hear it in the game, it sets it up in a place where, like, you go from battling like in a, like a nice blue sky environment in the forest, and like all of a sudden now the sky is completely like blood red, and you're fighting an army of soldiers that wear blood red armor, and you can't see their faces, and they just come up and start mauling you. And uh, the first time I got to like the what I consider the crescendo point in the song. The guy had just run up on me, started like he was like just railing into one of my guys, and the music was like it set up the perfect sense of dread because I thought I was going to lose the fight. <laughs> it was it's really good. Like this track has stuck with me since I first heard it. Now the the style of the track um, makes sense to me based on the composer, which I know I think we did talk about before because um, he worked on Death Smiles. This is composed by Mitsuhiro Kaneda. Um, and also credited is, I think it's a, his band or it's another band. It's called Bassescape, like Bassescape. I like that. Bassescape. So I, I don't know, maybe that's something related to that. But um, he worked on a lot of cave tracks. So he worked on Mushihime-sama, and he worked on ESP Galuda and Death Smiles, so to name a few. Yes, and if you guys have not played or heard Death Smiles, you need to get on that. Yeah, that's a crazy game. That's a... Very high, super difficult cave side scrolling shoot 'em up. Well, this is one of the this is the cave era where it can be as easy or as hard as you want them to. They kind of give like a sort of dip switch where yes, you can yeah. kind of it's like a slider where it's like the higher you make the number, the harder the game gets. And if you set it to ninety nine, <laughs> enemies exploding the bullets. Yeah, your bullets exploding the bullets. Oh, they were kind <laughs> of getting into that way with uh, Mushihime Sama, where it was like normal, hard, extreme, and then manic. Yeah, and it's like, this is the difficulty we want the game to be, but since we want our games to sell to people, (laughs) we got to give some lower difficulty. A lot of times, like, um, that that, that extra difficulty you can only achieve by going through what's called the second loop, which is defeating the game in one credit Ah. and going through the second loop of the game. Well, specifically in one credit, though? Yeah, yeah, it's called the one credit completion. I never even heard of it. There's a whole, like, like... the competitive community around um, shoot 'em ups, and, and they're they're crazy. They're all insane, and they all involve <laughs> these players getting to the second loop of the game before the true game begins. Yeah, it's like when can you like can you achieve like the one one CC, and then like what's your high score, and then like how many loops can you do? That's crazy. That sounds like brutally awesome. Actually, doing stuff like that with a game like this has got to be really really difficult. Mm. Yeah, because I mean I can play through Death Smiles normal mode. With very very few deaths, I don't know if I've ever done it without dying. Period. But what kind of game is this then? Because this is this isn't cave, right? No, this is a this is a strategic like fighter. So it's like you're on a map that sort of looks like chess pieces moving around the map, 
But then when you get into a battle, or you come across an enemy chess piece on the map, you actually go into like a full-on skirmish. Your army's on the left and their army's on the right, and you have the whole you have movement radius. There's three, um, three fields of movement, and there's objects you can place to like bear traps to stop guys. You can have like barrels to impede progress. It's a really well-thought-out strategy RPG that, again, more people need to engage in because it deserves the attention. Yeah, sounds really cool. It's... It's the quote is baller. <laughs> it is baller. I love it. I'm really bad at it only because it requires a number of decisions to be made as you play, and I am horrible when it comes to making game based decisions because I don't want to lose out on a thing. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Where it's like, oh, you know that one of these decisions is going to put you on a path where you might get something great, but you're going to miss something else. Exactly. Yep, I know. So I, know. I get decision anxiety, and I just kind of sit there and go, well, I'm going to turn this off. Do so you end up with like multiple saves? Multiple saves where I just kind of stare at the screen and wonder and then make no progress and quit oh, until man. I come back and make no progress again. It's why I don't play XCOM, even though it's a superior, even though it's a superb game in and of its own right. Yeah, I just I, don't I play it. Too. I haven't played that. Well, since we're not doing the bonus round, I thought we would just end on this awesome track. Sounds good to me. Right, it's well, a worthy track. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, for downloading, for logging into our website on the internet just for being great people for being great we have some really really great listeners um just thank, thanks everybody for just you know it's giving us your time it means a lot to us yes and and i will honestly fly out say if there's anything you want to share just as our friend did um i can't honestly it's like it's almost like forever sound version i think it was oh yeah it's called the the forever sound version yes he's doing his own podcast he's from I don't know the exact area, but no, he's UK. Yeah, he said he's also from Newcastle, and our, our county is called Newcastle. So, and there's a city called Newcastle. There's plenty of Newcastles. So it throws us off. Yeah, so if you're if you're doing anything cool, if you're doing your own show, if you're doing your own music, your own remixes or covers or anything like that, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to maybe even showcase it on our show. We're always looking out for new music. But um, if you want to let us know, send us an email: rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. I mean, if you want more information about the show and uh, full track listing, check out the website. Rhythmandpixels.com! <laughs> I like the, uh, the jingles that we can do now. Uh, we're doing we're, the jingles you're doing now. <laughs> no, I'm working on them. I'm going to have a final sort of like the Empire guy. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a full-on jingle. You can do... Um, all right. So then uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook and, and join the discussion on our episodes... It's facebook.com slash rhythm and pixels. Um, check us out on Twitter, rhythm and pixels and follow us on Instagram. You know, we, we post up some silly pictures every once in a while. And you also get, you know, kind of heads up on the shows going on. It's a uh, Instagram. I just rhythm and rhythm and pixels. It's pretty easy to find. And we're all, we're also uh, Patreon supported. Um, just helping us uh, to pay for some of the, uh, the, sto- the file storage costs that are involved with running stuff like this. Um, so if, you, if, if you're a fan of the show and if you want to you know, send a few bucks our way just to say, you know, hey, you know, we appreciate that. That's cool. No pressure. If you don't, you know, we're doing this for free. We'll, we'll do it every week anyway. So it's uh, patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. Because if we didn't do this every week, how could we talk about awesome jams? Yeah. yeah we, this is all about just hanging out about awesome jams. Yeah. There's the Robin Purnell Jam Session. That was the original title. Was it? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure the original title was the the musical sound shower, magical, spectacular, phantasmagoric hour with Parnell and Rob. That That's really close. 
I think the original artwork I made was the Robin Purnell Super Friends. That, that is it. That actually is legitimately it, actually. I might post that somewhere. It's really silly. Um, but yeah, that's it. I got nothing else for you for this week other than, um, you know, sorry in advance about blowing up your uh, your podcast feeds. <laughs> uh, if the, you didn't do it, someone else would have. Yeah, so look out for that on Wednesday. It's just going to update a whole bunch so it's going to think that a whole bunch of new ones came in. But really, I'm just moving the files. It's all I'm doing. One place to another. Website's going to stay the same. Voices will stay on the same. Yeah, it will sound the same. I might sound a little older, a little more tired, grizzled from the process. I'm working on my suave, debonair voice, you know, trying to work it into the system. So I might sound a little deeper. No, no, I like it, yeah. I might sound a little more suave. Yeah. We're making it sound like this because no, some people <laughs> like this. Now go back to the other one. Yeah, yes. All right. Now I'm Rob Nichols, and I'm Nell. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And remember, sometimes ah, I thought you were gonna do the voice still. I, no, I can't do the voice for <laughs> this. It won't work. Sometimes you know, it's nice to have a predictable life. It's nice to just have things be consistent and familiar to you but let's be honest here it can also be fairly boring it can get trite and old and that's not a good flavor for life life requires spontaneity and adventure and action and things to change things to go a little wild in your life change it up shake it up every once in a while just spice up a little something wild and different in your life to make you feel alive don't be afraid to try new things go wild. and that's my thing (laughs) 